All right. We are going through the New Testament in a year. Monday through Friday, just about 10 minutes a day. I don't know if we've hit 11 minutes yet, but we don't usually do it in eight. So <laughs> we hover around 10. We're in Mark's gospel, and the word gospel means the good news. So this is the good news according to Mark. This is Mark's account of it. Uh, Mark traveled around with Peter. Uh, Mark writes this very short gospel compared to the other ones. And he writes in rapid succession. He, it's the power gospel. He's writing to the average Roman who values power. That's uh, one of the big values of the day for the average citizen in Rome. All about power, Rome, and how strong Rome is, and how strong their military is, and how strong their leaders are. Well, Jesus is stronger. Chapter 3, verse 1. Another time. Jesus went into the synagogue, and there was a man with a shriveled hand there. Some of those were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, because they don't like him, the religious leaders. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. You see, the rule was you don't do any work on the Sabbath day. It's just a total day of rest. You're not supposed to be working. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. So he's going to make a spectacle of this so that it's happening in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them while the man is standing there, quite dra dramatic here, isn't it? He said, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? Which one uh, does the Sabbath let us do? Does the Sabbath let us do good? Can we do good on the Sabbath? Can we save a life on the Sabbath? But they remain silent. Jesus is so wise in the way he deals with these critics. He looked around at them in anger because they're the religious leaders, and they are trying to get rid of Jesus. They want to keep their followers and get rid of Jesus. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Yeah, he's <clears throat> what a shame. These guys, stubborn hearts, religious leaders. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they went out and they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now, you might read right past that and think that there's not too much in that line right there. But the Herodians were the ones who were loyal to King Herod, loyal to Rome. Now, no self-respecting Jew in the first century would be loyal to Rome. Rome was ruling over them. They didn't like being ruled over. They hated being ruled over. They didn't like Rome at all. They're enemies with Rome. Herod is the leader. But they're going to buddy up with the Herodians in order to get Jesus. Amazing what we'll do when we're desperate. Verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. He got out of there. And a large crowd from Galilee followed. The people are following him. The religious leaders are turning against him. When they heard about all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. So the word is spreading all over the place. It's word of mouth. Jesus isn't into some advertising campaign. In fact, he, he's trying to lay low, and he's even when he's healing, he's telling people, you know, just go back home and, 
you know, keep it on the low down. But they're following him and the reputation is growing. Verse 9. Because of the crowd, he told the disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep people from crowding him. So he makes a little auditorium is what he does. And for he had healed many, so those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. And whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. So you have shrieking and crying. These, these are the words, the adjectives that Mark likes to use. He likes the power. He likes the excitement. And it's one exciting movement after another exciting movement. But now it moves to verse 13. And Jesus went up onto the mountainside, and he called to those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and they, they might be sent out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. So he's going to put together this little team of twelve. They would be known as the twelve apostles. He's going to mentor them, disciple them, teach them. What he did, he's going to teach them to do. These are the names of those he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonjavis, which means the sons of thunder. They had a temper. <laughs> Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, he was an insurrectionist. He wanted to overthrow Rome with power, sort of a terrorist. And Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Verse 20, uh, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered. People are following him everywhere he goes. People are following him because Jesus can meet everybody's need. He can meet your need. He can meet my need. So that he and his disciples weren't even able to eat. They're just maxed. And some of us know what happens with this sometimes where our day is just so full, so many things going on. We don't even have time to eat. Don't even have time to get where we're supposed to be on schedule. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he's out of his mind. Now, Jesus had other brothers and sisters. He was born of a virgin. But after that, he had other brothers and sisters. And of course, Joseph adopted him. Joseph was not his natural father. Joseph adopted him. He was born of a virgin. But he had some other brothers and sisters. And they think that this is crazy what's going on. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebub, which is the prince of the devils, the prince of the demons, the lord of the flies. By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. He's getting rid of demons by the power of the devil. And Jesus called them over to him and he began to speak to them in parables. And he said, how can Satan divide a, drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand. His end has come. Now, you might have thought that that phrase, a house divided, cannot stand. It came from Abraham Lincoln. It came from the scriptures. It came from Jesus. And it still stands true today. A house divided can't stand. Watch out for division. Watch out for hatred. 
In fact, Jesus says in verse 27, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Picture of somebody doing a home invasion and tying you up and starting to take your stuff. He said, truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all of the sins and slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus is telling these guys that they're on really shaking ground. They're on really on thin ice. That they are starting to attribute the things of God to evil. They're calling Jesus evil. They're saying that Jesus is of the devil. And Jesus is saying that you need to be careful here because um, when you start calling God and the things of God evil, you're in a rough place. And he said this because they were saying he had an impure spirit. Jesus' mothers and brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. And a crowd was sitting around him, so he's sitting in a circle, sitting in a circle, people all around him. The crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, they said, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? Who are they? What kind of question is that? Who's my mother? Who's my brother? They looked at, and then he looked at those seated in the circle around him, and he said, here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Jesus was creating a new family. And so those of us who've come to believe Jesus or followers of Jesus are born again, have the Spirit of God in us, are saved. Uh, we're in a new family. Uh, we have brothers and sisters everywhere. Right here, I'm your brother. <laughs> and you're my brother and sister. Maybe you're a mom to me. Maybe maybe you take care of me. You watch over me. You uh, you know, you help me with things. You, you know, give me shelter, give me food, uh, you give, me, g g give me love, give me encouragement, give me comfort. We do this to each other, this new family of brothers and sisters. And it's a global family. It's an eternal family. It's been going on for centuries and centuries. Every uh, continent, North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Antarctica, we have brothers and sisters everywhere. So I'm glad I'm your brother because I grew up in a home with three sisters. And so now I, I like to have brothers, but maybe I'm talking to you and your sister. So I'd like the sisters too. <laughs> God bless you guys. Let's keep moving on into the next chapter of Mark.